starting a new book this morning. Really excited about what the Lord has for us. It's directed my heart. Normally we're going through the New Testament verse by verse, but it's directed my heart to Proverbs. I must need a lot of wisdom. <laughs> Don't say amen to that. You're not allowed to say amen to that. I'm just kidding. You can say amen to whatever you want. Uh, By the way, we do have Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back there. Um, Gary has them back there. Just raise your hand if you need a Bible. Um, we don't put them on the screens and all those things. We want you to see it for yourself and your on your you know with your own eyes and all of that. So, all right. Proverbs chapter one. Let's begin in verse one. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and, make, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you, Jesus, as you said that your words are spirit and they are life. Thank you, Father, that they are eternal. Jesus, you said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And we count it a privilege as your disciples, demonstrating we're your disciples by continuing in your word to be able to be taught by you through your Holy Spirit. We ask, Father, now that you would instruct us, that you would make application of these verses by your spirit. Thank you that you're so proficient at helping us understand your word and helping us to obey your word. We recognize, Lord, you measure our spiritual maturity by what we obey, not merely what we have in our minds and our hearts. We ask, Lord, that you would come upon us and teach us and that you would do your work as only you can. We pray that you set this time aside for your holy use. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. It's exciting to start a new book. I'm always excited to start a new book uh, of the Bible. Uh, there's something about just beginning it together as a family, as a church, where we're all going through it together, verse by verse. I'm excited, youth, that you're here. Where's the youth of America? Raise your hand here. Vicki just raised her hand. Um, but I'm thankful for you, youth, and I'm glad you're in here. And the reason why you're in here is in part because a lot of these first few proverbs are to youth or at least they have great application to youth. And so I've, I've really felt strongly about having you here. So I'll be calling upon you, to, to making sure you're awake. I'll be calling you out by name. I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But um, I'm thankful that you're here. So we're excited about starting the book of Proverbs. You know, we all know some Proverbs, some of them better than others. I've thought of a few. Um, there's no use crying over spilled milk. That was the best I could come up with. I'm sure you could think of some better ones, but... There's don't put all your eggs in one basket. There's um, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Um, this is one that I've had a problem with understanding at times. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, okay? I'm sure that's true, uh, but I'm not sure exactly how that's true. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm not saying these are all true, but they're proverbs. And there's a lot of different religions and, and people that have taught different proverbs. Facts are stubborn things. That's another one. That sometimes politicians don't like that, that when you, facts are stubborn things. They don't want to deal with facts and reality and so forth. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. Now, I've proven that wrong. Um, I think you can uh, have your cake and you can eat it too, or two or three or four um, if you want. But um, these are supposed to, to be able to help us with life, these proverbs. And people have different standards by which they judge wisdom. The beauty for us is that we have God's word, and it's full of wisdom. And it's not like worldly wisdom, because the Bible describes that there's a worldly wisdom. And it also describes that there's a wisdom from above. James, in chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, said this, The wisdom, this wisdom, he's talking about worldly wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So that's the difference, the contrast between this world's wisdom. It's all self-focused. It's not focused on God. It's not focused on others That's the wisdom that comes from God. And God loves to to put the people that claim to be wise to shame, especially related to the gospel. 
The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 this. He says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So his wisdom chose to not use the wisdom of the world to communicate the means by which we come to know Christ. It's beautiful. But these Proverbs that we're going to be looking at, they're eternal. I mean, they are supernatural. They're inspired by God. And the reason why they're inspired is because they're revealed. And when we went through the book of Revelation, verse by verse, we talked about the word revelation. And it means unveiling. Like when you have a a statue or something and they want to reveal it and they put the, the sheet over it and then you don't see any of it until you see all of it. And then you pull it away and it's revealed. You see everything there. That's the definition of revelation. And God reveals things in his word to us. And as it's been said to me, and I always repeat it, revelation is a privilege. Revelation is a privilege. What, what God has revealed through his word and through us specifically in terms of how he speaks to our hearts, that's a privilege. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 15, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. All things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. That's revelation. That's unveiling. That's giving us the, the, the secrets that you couldn't know apart from being indwelt by the Spirit, by God revealing it to us. It's beautiful. Now these Proverbs that we're going to look at, they're very to the point. They're very concise. Uh, they, you know, a lot of people say they're, they're, you know, as not as big of a deal as we would say, but go ahead and try to write a proverb that someone would want to learn. <laughs> you know, try to write, not the ones that I read, those are, that's craziness, but one that's really good that you'd go, wow, I want to write that down. Hold on, you said what? And, and I want to write that, that truth down. I mean, just come up with one of those. Because only God can do that, can, can give us that type of revelation. There are different types of Proverbs for, and that we'll look at. There's contrasting Proverbs where the first part of it says, if you're one way, and then if, but, but so-and-so, and then this, and then, so it's contrasting two different ideas. There's, there's kind of these long, they call them kind of sermonic or discourse Proverbs where they're longer in nature. They explain a lot more about things. They go on and on. They're not just a little this and that. They're, they're a whole teaching uh, in, in a proverb. I love those as well. There's also ones that go together. Like one proverb will be right next to another one and they'll be complementary. And then lastly, there's the ones that just have one proverb and one verse and that's it. There's, there's, they're not long. They're just to the point. And, and so we're going to see a lot of different proverbs as we go through uh, all these proverbs in this book. Now, most of these proverbs were written by Solomon. If you're new to the Bible, Solomon was King David, one of King David's sons, many sons. And he was the second one born with Bathsheba. The first one was, died as an infant. It was, this is a result of, of uh, uh, David's uh, infidelity and so forth. And then he had Solomon. And Solomon, as we're told in Scripture, was the wisest man who ever lived. And, of course, we know apart from the Lord Jesus, he's the wisest man who ever lived. And I want to read to you a passage from 1 Kings. In fact, why don't you turn there? Turn over to 1 Kings chapter 4. 
And we'll look at this together before we get with our verses. 1 Kings chapter 4. Because this is the Bible's commentary on Solomon, which is always nice to have Scripture balance Scripture and speak to Scripture itself. 1 Kings chapter 4. Hold your place in Proverbs. That includes you too, youth. Better be turning those pages. I'll come down the aisle and check. No, I won't. I really won't. One of them thought that was funny. That's good. 1 Kings chapter 4. And then I want to begin reading in verse 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite and Heman and Kalkal and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame was in all the surrounding nations. Verse 32. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs were 1,005. Amazing. You can turn back to Proverbs now. 3,000 Proverbs. Of those 3,000 Proverbs, we have around 600 preserved in the Scriptures. Beautiful. And he also wrote 1,005 songs. So this is kind of the background here. They have mostly, there's a few others that wrote some of these Proverbs, but mainly it was Solomon. So look at verse 1 here as we begin. The, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Now, we had know from looking at Scripture that David was a broken man. He was a broken man at this point because he had failed. And, and he was on the, in the process of recovering from his, his failure. And so we're told uh, in other places that, and we know it from inference, that, that Solomon was kind of helped being raised or he was influenced heavily by Nathan the prophet. And so he's got to understand where his father had failed over time and all of that. And God had given him this incredible wisdom from, directly from, from God. And so he wanted to write these things down. God led him to write these Proverbs down. And look at the purposes of, of these Proverbs in verses 2 through 6. It says, verse 2, To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddle. So now in verse 2, it says to know, to know wisdom and instruction. And and that's literally, in the Hebrew, that's for knowing wisdom. It's not just a, a one-time thing. It's for learning. It's increasing in knowledge with, with wisdom. It's an ongoing process. Think of the most, the, the most wise people that you know. They're usually very interested in learning more. And sometimes you think of those people and you're like, you don't need to learn anymore. You're so wise. Why would you want to keep learning? Why would you want to keep growing in wisdom it's because wise people know the value of wisdom and they want to keep growing in wisdom and so that's what it's talking about there its purpose is to to have this process of knowing wisdom and instruction and notice verse three to receive the instruction of justice judgment and equity 
It takes someone that's wise. Usually, when you go to a judge, when you go before a judge, there's wisdom that you're expecting there. There's knowledge of the law, of course, but there's wisdom there as well. And so we need to know these Proverbs because we need to know how to, how to execute justice or think about justice, how God thinks about justice and so forth, and proper judgment and being fair. That's what equity means, to be fair to, and, and, and all of that. Then he says to give prudence to the simple. That's us. I don't know if you knew that, if you recognize yourself in there. Uh, but we're the simple. We're not the PhDs, most of us here. We're the simple. To give prudence. That's proper judgment. That's, that's a way to be able to have restraints put on us properly because we need it. To, to make decisions and have our actions be uh, all about the right choices. And it's, it's a beautiful. But then he says... Uh, a, a man of underst- a young, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. You young men here, this is for uh, for you. It's also for us. But you young men to, and young ladies to know knowledge, to know discretion, to be saved. You don't have to go through the things that other people go through being young. You don't have to learn the hard way. You can learn from God's word the right way. You can learn from other people's mistakes. And it's, it's beautiful. And notice in verse 5, learning is not just for the ignorant. <laughs> it says, a wise man will hear and increase learning. Again, wise men know the, the, the value of wisdom. And a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. He's a man of understanding, a man that already knows something, a man that's already knowledgeable, he will seek wise counsel. Wise men will seek out wise men, people. To be able to understand something better. And, and it's, it's, that's what these Proverbs are for. To help us to learn how to learn. To be able to value information and wisdom and know how to find it. Know how to discern it. And look in verse 6. He says, to understand a proverb. You can know a proverb and read it. But to understand it. To be able to really know it. And an enigma is like a puzzle. To be able to understand those things. And notice at the end of verse 6. The words of the wise and their riddles. To be able to understand what the wise are telling us. It takes wisdom to understand wise people sometimes. To be able to recognize what they're saying and to understand it. Now notice in verse 7 there's a starting point related to God's revealed knowledge. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So how much can we know apart from the Lord and having a fear. And this is this fear, especially young people that are listening to me right now that are not tuning me out, that are listening. Um, the fear of the Lord is that awe. It's that, it's that recognition of who God is. And you, you, you are not afraid in the sense of what he's going to do to you, but you're in, the, you're in awe or fearful in the sense of that, that respect and, and that awe of how great he is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You can't have an expert in knowledge and not have any acknowledgement of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge right here. But notice he says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. No, we're, we're told the fear of the Lord is to, is to hate evil in Proverbs 8. We're going to see in, in, in uh, the 8th chapter that the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom I am understanding. I have strength. So the fear of the Lord includes loving holiness. 
Especially you young people. God wants you to be holy. You're inundated all the time with all this stuff out in the world. We all are. And God wants you to be spared all of the heartache and the pain that comes as a result of giving into those things. Psalm 128 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. Walking in his ways is to walk in wisdom. And to walk in wisdom is to walk in his ways. You can't walk in the, in the ways of the Lord without walking in wisdom because God is so wise. And we're told at the end of verse 7 that fools despise wisdom and instruction. What is a fool? Mr. T pitied him. Remember that? Pity the fool. Those of you that are older remember that a little bit. Uh, I remember that. David just said, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but... But what is a fool? See, we think sometimes a fool is, is um, someone that's not smart or unintelligent. That's not true at all. You can have fools that are geniuses. See, a biblical fool, and I mean by that as a biblical definition, is someone that has, it has a, they have a heart condition which refuses to do the right thing. It's not that they don't know what to do. It's that they refuse to do the right thing. They will not do it. And, and that's what, why in part he's speaking to young people here because young people sometimes automatically think they know the best way to do something and they have about, you know, a few years experience since they were, what, five? <laughs> and and they, they automatically assume. Sometimes their default setting is to immediately disagree with the adult, automatically. Their first word out of their mouth is, no, I, no, that's not true. And like, what experience do you have? You know, you just go, you want to help them understand that there's wisdom waiting for them if they would just be humble and they would just listen. But it's true for all of us. You don't have to be young. See, any position or place that we find ourselves in, we need to ask, Lord, what are you trying to teach me here? What's the, what's the wisdom that you're trying to help me to understand? And notice he says, my son, the beginning of verse 8. My son. Hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Young people, he says it over again in the scriptures, to listen to your parents, to obey your parents, to see them as, a, as an asset, as see them as someone that knows what is coming your way, how to handle life and all of that. Be submissive to your parents. We have to listen to our parents. We have to listen to those that are placing authority over us. And, and the father here, notice in verse 8, the instruction of your father, that the idea is the discipline of your father, the disciplinary instruction. That's why we need to instruct our children and our grandchildren, and we need to help them see what's the right way and help them understand the right things to do and all of that. They have to heed that, but we have to do it. Sometimes fathers are AWOL, and they don't do it. They don't, they don't, they're not the disciplinary, and they're not the ones that are, are laying out the standards and all of that. And it says, to not forsake the law of your mother, the instruction of your mother. The most influential people on the face of the earth, I believe, are moms. And they have to be able to say those things that are, you know, ex exactly what the, the kid is supposed to hear and the person's supposed to hear, and it needs to be heeded. Very important. Notice in verse 9, the result of this, especially for you young people. Look at verse 9. For they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. That's something that you probably don't want on you right now. 
thinking about an ornament on, on, on your head and a chain around your neck, but that was an expression of, of honor back then. And so you, you have to recognize that God has set things up in a way that you can be blessed by listening to the wisdom of your parents and the instruction of your parents and grandparents and all of that. It's beautiful. So he adds to it in verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If sinners entice you, do not consent. Don't go along with them. We have to be careful with who we allow into our lives. Verse 11, if they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. And notice the words us. It says us. Come let us. Come let us lurk. Come let us lie in wait. And it says we. These these are groups of people that are enticing us. We have to be careful who we're around. We have to be careful what company we keep. You know, in Corinthians it says evil company corrupts good morals. That's still the case today. Evil company corrupts good morals. Even when, if we're older, we have to be careful who we're around all the time. Who, who are our friends? Who are the ones that we're spending the most amount of time with? And we obviously have to be around unbelievers to be able to preach the gospel. But we still have to be properly influenced um, with other believers and encouraged. So we need to know parents. We need to know our kids' friends. We need to know their, who they are. We need to get to know them. We need to protect them. We need to understand what's going on behind the scenes as best as we can. We can only know so much. But we need to do our part to know who's influencing our kids. Verse 14. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. Like we're all going to benefit together. We're all going to get the spoils from from capitalizing on the weak and taking advantage of the weak and all of that. And we're going to all get benefits together, financial benefits. And notice he says, my son again, over and over again, my son, my son, my son, my son. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. Young people, there's a path that leads to destruction. And when you see other young people on that path, don't follow where they're going. Have the strength, have, the, have the, the boldness to say, I'm not going that direction. That's not what my life's about. Because you're going to suffer the consequences if you go the same direction that they're going. God wants to spare you from that. Verse 16, for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own ideas or for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. He's saying just how, you know, crime doesn't pay. And just how ridiculous it would be to have, I mean, a a bird see its own trap so ridiculous it's going to be if you think that you're going to be doing these things that are against God's word and get away with it and not have the destruction come upon you. But sometimes we think that we are the exception to the rule. Yeah, that's true for everybody else, but if I, can, I can mess with those things and dabble in those things and nothing bad's going to happen to me. It's, it's, it's a deception. 
It's not true. It will take us down. Evil will take us down if we partake in it. Now we're going to see wisdom personified in verse 20. Look with me there. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you, and I will make my words known to you. So here wisdom is personified, and wisdom is the one that is is wanting us to to not do the things that will cause us so much pain and suffering and all those things. What incredible grace that we have been given. Just the opportunity and the capacity to be able to live a different kind of life. We follow after Christ and follow after what he says to do. Because he has laid his plan out for us in his word. He's laid everything out. How to live. The abundant life. He's come that we would have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. The abundant life is a life surrendered to Christ. There's no shortcuts. The first lie that was, that was spoken by the serpent was communicating to Adam and Eve that there was something that God was holding out on them. And there was something that they needed that he wasn't providing. That was the first lie. And that's what we think when we can go another direction and we, cannot, we don't follow the way that God's saying we should go because we think that somehow God's holding out on us and we're going to miss having our needs met if we follow hard after Christ. And that's insanity. There's no way that we can live a life that's a better, more fulfilled life apart from Christ because he loves us. I mean, he died for us. If he's willing to die for us, he has every good intention for us, and we can trust him with our lives. So it says, she, verse 21, she cries out. Look at this picture here in verse 21. She cries out. Wisdom is crying. This is an imploring. This is a, I'm pleading with you. I'm, I'm wanting you to listen to me. I'm wanting you to take what I have to say. Don't turn away from what I have to say. We have to listen to wisdom. We have to listen to what he has to tell us. And we don't want to hear it sometimes. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't want to hear it sometimes. We don't want to hear the truth. But we have, to, we have to receive it. We have to take it all in and we have to listen. Because the difference between knowledge and wisdom is knowledge is information, but wisdom is how to apply that information. There are a lot of people that know a lot of things. But their life's a disaster. Because they're not, they don't know how to apply the things that they know. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. And that's why it's important for us to know what does God say? What is God saying to me? What is his will? Because he doesn't just tell us what to do. He tells us how to walk those things out in life. How do we live those things out? He tells us in his word how to do that. What does it look like to walk in the spirit? He lays it out for us. How do we do that? He lays it out for us. How do I love my neighbor? He tells us. He gives us examples. Wisdom is very practical. It's the practical application of knowledge. So sometimes people, I just need more knowledge, I need more knowledge. Sometimes we just need to do the things we already know. That's most of the time for us as believers. We just need to obey the things we already know are true. But i got to learn more, i got to learn more. That's true, you do. we all have to learn more. But what if we just started obeying the things we already know to be true? How much would our lives change? Greatly change. 
It's a beautiful thing. God has tried to protect us and keep us. And here wisdom is personified as I'm crying out. I'm, I'm saying who's going to listen and no one listens. Or very many people or very few people listen. Listen to this urgency, the tone here. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners, that's mockers, delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out, pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Again, that's more revelation. I will make these things known to you. But then here's the consequences of those that reject it. Verse 24. Because I have called you and you refuse, I have stretched out my hand and no, and no one regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel. Notice it says all my counsel. That's what happens. When you start the process of rejecting counsel, before you know it, you're rejecting all counsel. That's good for you to hear. And he's saying, you rejected all my counsel, or wisdom is saying, and would have none. Notice, none of my rebuke. Do we see rebuke as a good thing or a bad thing? Do we see rebuke as something that's meant to hurt us or meant to help us? Young people, when you're corrected and you're rebuked, do you see that as something that was done to hurt you or to help you you need to see that it's done to help you and to 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 benefit you and to be able to receive it when we're humble we can take correction when we're prideful we can't take correction all of us should be able to take correction no matter who we're hearing it from sometimes we go well you know i've done this longer or i've been had more experience in this area do you know what when you're an expert in an area you're the you're the most vulnerable to not learning more because you, you think you know everything? The people that don't ask questions are the ones that think they know everything, usually. We have to ask questions. We have to say, what does that mean? And I don't understand. And don't be the person that's afraid to ask. You know, in class, I wasn't paying attention most of the time in school, unfortunately. Um, and I wasn't getting things. I wasn't understanding things. And there was that kid that raised their hand and said, I don't get it, teacher. And I was so relieved because I was too prideful to raise my hand and say, I don't, I don't get it. And I, was, and I think the rest of the class was a lot like that as well. But we need to raise our hands. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't understand. I need more help. I need more understanding. Verse 26, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will call upon me, and I will, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. It seems kind of harsh. But he is leaving people to their own devices that have rejected his wisdom, rejected his revelation. They've mocked him. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And they haven't had that fear. They've mocked God. They've said, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want your wisdom. I don't want anything that you want to say to me. And as a result of that, he's going to leave them to their own fate. Verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Notice that word choose there in verse 29. We have a choice. We can either choose the fear of the Lord or we can choose to go our own way demonstrating that we're a fool because fools receive instruction or reject instruction they hate correction 
there's Proverbs. I mean, I remember the first time I read, I, I don't know if it's Proverbs 12 or where it is, but he who rejects instruction is stupid. And I'm like, whoa, that's pretty bold. I mean, it's pretty direct there. But he wants us to choose the fear of the Lord. We don't want to hate knowledge. We want to choose um, the him and what he is saying. Verse 30. They would have none. Notice the word none. They have, would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. That's harsh. That's the heart that doesn't want to submit at all. Verse 31. Therefore, and we always have to ask what the therefore is therefore. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. And see, the imagery here is that they've been planting something. They've been sowing They've been sowing seed of, of, of disobedience and not being teachable and all of that. And the fruit of their own way is destruction. That's what the scriptures say. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. That's the scriptures. So sometimes we think we're smarter than God. Sometimes we think, oh, I know a better way to do things. I can do this little shortcut. I don't have to obey his word. And we end up suffering as a result of that. And God's trying to spare us from that by having wisdom, in a sense, from Proverbs, yelling at us, crying out, listen to me, I have wisdom for you. If you would just heed it, don't reject it. And there's value in it, but we, we sometimes reject all of that. And so we'll be filled full. Notice it says full. And be filled to the full with their own fancies. It's been said, if we don't say thy will be done in the end, he will say thy will be done to us. If we want our will now and will not receive him and will not submit our lives to him, we won't say thy will be done right now. Then he will say, so be it in the end. And this is not what he wants, but he'll say, okay, your will be done. You don't want anything to do with me? You know, what's funny is that people, they want to go to heaven. They say they're on their way to heaven, but they want nothing to do with God now. (laughs) <laughs> at all it want nothing to do with him why do you want to live with him forever if you don't want anything to do with him now why would you want and why do you think you would be going to heaven god's not going to make you go to heaven if you don't want to go to heaven he's going to honor that decision and and you know talk about conviction <laughs> you know being in heaven is going to be a lot of what you don't like if you don't like the things of the lord so we have to recognize that we have to recognize that god wants us to say right now thy will be done i want to use your wisdom I want to use your revelation. I want to take advantage of what you're trying to tell me. I want to not just be a hearer of the word, but I want to be a doer of the word. I want to demonstrate that I'm a true disciple of yours. That's what God wants for our lives, each and every one of our lives. And he gives us all of heaven's resources to be able to walk in that. Because we don't have the power in our own lives to do that. We still retain the sinful nature when we receive Christ. We still have that sinful nature. And that sinful nature wants to have control and wants to feed its, th- its, its, its passions and it wants to, to be powerful. And we have to starve the sinful nature, starve the flesh. But if we walk in the Spirit, we will not gratify the lusts of the flesh. Again, it doesn't say do not gratify the lusts of the flesh and you'll walk in the Spirit. We have to seek Him first, abide in Him, and He'll bear fruit through our lives. But it happens so much more easily than we think it can because we're trying so hard we don't need to try we just need to abide we need to rest in him live in him commune with him and let him live his life through us and he will bear beautiful fruit the fruit of the spirit and we won't have the fruit of our own way like it says in verse 31 we will reap if we sow to destruction 
The Apostle Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. We're always planting something. We're always planting things that are good, that are of the Lord, or we're planting to our flesh and we're sowing to our flesh. So we have to recognize that. God wants us to walk in obedience to him and and take in his wisdom, but not just for the sake of knowing things, but for the sake of obeying him and the sake of bringing glory to him through our lives. Look at verse 32. We get ready to finish here. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools. He's going to talk about a lot when we go through this book about fools and their laziness and their desire to not work and their desire to not listen, to not, you know, to be stiff necked, to be stubborn, and all those things. And the complacency is a, one of the characteristics of a fool. They don't want to do anything, they just want to be stagnant. And, and he says, That will destroy them. But verse 33, I love this word but there, that contrasting word. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. We want that, don't we? We want to live safely. We want to live secure. We want to be without fear of evil. Well, then listen to wisdom. She's calling out for us. She's calling out for us to to heed the wisdom that she wants to pour out. And that's why, youth, listen, it's important that you understand that you've been given such a privilege to be able to have wisdom being poured out in your life by your parents and, and being raised in the things of the Lord. You've had so much wisdom being poured into you. You, you don't even realize, you're not going to realize it until you're older, how much of a privilege it's been to be raised in the things of him and, and to have that privilege of being to have that revelation and to have that wisdom. Take advantage of it. We expect great things from you in the future. We expect amazing things that God's going to do in and through your life. So what a blessing it is to be able to start this great book. So much wisdom here. Can't wait to go through it with you as a family. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you that we get to go through it together. Thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce through bone and marrow and judge the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, that you're so faithful to show us where we need to make changes. Help us, Lord. Help us to receive wisdom and value it. I pray for every young person that's here. I pray, Father, that you would help them to be humble and teachable and ready to learn and ready to learn from their parents and from those that you placed in their lives to bless their lives with knowledge and wisdom. And I pray that they would heed all of it, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, for all of us here. I pray that all of us would grow in our walk with you as as we continue to go through verse by verse this great book. So we thank you for the privilege of it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.